Welcome to the Oceans Ministries Podcast. Here's your host, Tim Spikestra. Welcome to Oceans Ministries Podcast. It's uh, great to have you listening today. And it is a privilege for me to have my dad here uh, today with me. And it has been amazing. My dad was with the original group of guys and gals that started reading Draw the Circle. And uh, it wasn't shortly after that. I think my dad asked for 20 more and then another 40. And I think we're up to about 100 uh, copies that you've ordered of uh, Draw the Circle. Um, And uh, there's just some incredible stories of my dad just feeling compelled by the Lord to give this book out to to different people. Dad, why why has... uh, God put that on your heart? Uh, Well, I I realized um, early on when when you gave me this book that prayer is the answer. Mm. Uh, And and I'll tell you why. Uh, Because when when I was a little kid, maybe four years old, maybe five years old, I'm from a big family, seven kids, but I think all the girls were in school, and it was just my mom and myself in the house, but the little ones were probably there somewhere, too, the ones younger than me, but I was running through the house looking for mom and couldn't find her. Finally, I went in the bathroom, and I seen her on her knees with her head on the bathtub, just praying to God. And I can see that. I can see that picture today as well as I could seventy some years ago. Uh, and and I realized and and knowing what she went through as as a mother and as the wife of 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 my dad, which my dad was kind of a tough guy and. Um, he was Old Testament. Everything was by the law, <laughs> and that's how we were raised too. Um, and and I, that's maybe a little bit why I I turned a little rebellious, I guess, for part of my life. But in, and that's that's the first part. The second part was um, after uh, my divorce from Tim's mother. Um, I became a severe alcoholic, um, and um, I kept in contact with the kids. But um, and I always tried to hide my drinking from from them. But obviously, I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> and Tim was on his way. He worked for me off and on, mostly in the summers. Uh, and he was on his way from Grand Rapids, Michigan, after graduated from a Bible college there, to California uh, to go to his first year in seminary. And he, he was just a week back in Denver, and he was going to drive a truck for me. And after the first week or two, he, he confronted me, I think it was on a Saturday, and, and said, uh, talk to me about my drinking. And he said, Dad... I, I can't I can't work for you if you're going to continue to drink because I don't want to sit around and watch you uh, kill yourself. 
and I think my words were to him, well, Tim, it's, it's my problem and I can handle it. And he said, well, he said, I'll give you a week to think about it. And um, I thought, well, he'll forget about it. So he worked for one more week and it was a Saturday again. And he said, Dad, what's, what's your decision about your drinking? And I said, Tim, it's my problem. I can handle it. And he said, Dad, I'll do whatever. I, I can. He says, if you want to get in a treatment center, I'll pay for it. This is my son who's just going to seminary and says he, he, he'll spend the money he has to pay for, for, for um, me going to a treatment center. Well, I didn't think I was that bad, and I thought it was really presumptuous of him to tell me about it. Anyway, he said, and this is what cut me off at the knees, he said, um, Dad, I've been praying you praying for you for the last 10 years, every day of my life. And at right that moment, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't hit me, but it made me mad. It made me really mad. And so I said, Tim, uh, get out of my life. I said, I don't want to see you again. I don't want to, I don't want to see my grandkids. Just get out of my life. And he was driving a car that I think was one of my cars, I don't know. But, and, and so I took his keys away and sent him walking down the road. Well, that was a big moment in my life because uh, I didn't know what to do. So about three weeks later, uh, he, he left. Uh, about three weeks later, I was in a bar and at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I closed it up and I didn't want to go home. So I went to my office and I laid on the floor and I thought I'd just sleep for a little bit. Well, I couldn't sleep. About uh, five or six in the morning, I, I called my wife um, and I said, uh, you know, maybe you people, because I think they were having a conversations about my drinking, maybe you people have a point. And so I said, uh, she said, well, she says, so happens. I have a meeting with a, an interventionist at, at, at work today. She worked at a hospital and they had a treatment center there. And maybe that wasn't a Saturday. I think maybe it was a Monday. Oh, that was, that was uh, during the week. It was, and so she said, would you like to come to my meeting this morning at nine o'clock? And, and I was, I, I didn't know. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come. So um, the first thing the guy said, I think it was a black guy, he said, uh, do you think you're an alcoholic? Uh, and I, and I, I said, I don't know. And he said, well, are you willing to get help? I said, well, I don't, I don't know. He said, well, if you are, we'll accept you in our program today. And I had to make a choice. I, I had no one to run my business, and it would be in, in, in the treatment center for 30 days. And I, th I thought, I can't do this. But something, something said uh, to do it, so I did it. First of all, they detoxed me for three days. And uh, then... Uh, I got in the treatment, and, I, and, and you know, in that treatment center, I started to feel some hope. Uh, but to regress a little bit, the reason I'm telling this story is 
Tim said, I'll pray for, I prayed for you every day of my life for 10 years. And that's, that brought me back to my mother's prayers from the time that I was born till there was a lot of prayers being, and, and, uh, I guess it just, just brought me to a point where I, I said, yeah, maybe I was drinking because it helped with my problems. I, you know, it, but eventually there ain't enough alcohol in the world to take care of your problems and I guess I'd come to that point and I was trying to exist but wasn't doing a very good job of it and um, I, I was destroying every every person in my life that I really cared about or who really cared about me so that was the beginning of my journey um, into sobriety and that was July 15, 1980 1988 and fortunately by the grace of God I haven't had to have a drink since then so um, that's kind of why this book on prayer hit me hit me hard and I I thought you know this is the answer you know this is this and and in AA I'd learned also that the 12 steps were a gradual process of what I learned as a, as a person. The, uh, a lot of the stuff was taught in the church in an indirect way. And, and so, and one more thing that affected me was at, at every AA meeting, they ended up with the Lord's Prayer. Um, mm. So um, mm. that was the beginning of, of my journey and that happened almost 28 years ago I guess mm. <clears throat> so prayer has become a, a big part of my life and um, I can tell you miracles miracles mm. I haven't had a job since 1988 working for anybody else by, by a set of miracles in my life I survived and God's blessed me abundantly um, in all my divorces, I'd usually lose the house and all my stuff. So I had to start all over three times. And, um, and I haven't had a job. So it's by the grace of God that I'm, I survived and that I'm here today. Mm. And prayer is the key mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. um, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that. And the neat thing in, in the office where we're doing this podcast is a chair that was my grandma Spikestra's. And it's probably my favorite place to pray because it reminds me of her prayers. And, and my dad, when she passed away, gave me a bunch of journals and to go through her prayer journals and just she prayed for her kids, her grandkids. And, um, even though she's in heaven, those prayers, and it, it says that in Draw the Circle, those prayers continue. They go on and on. And uh, yeah, praise God, right, Dad, for as you, you saw your mom at a very young age on her knees praying for the family. And God is still hearing those prayers and answering those prayers and have used those prayers. And how God now is using you and your prayers and even giving this book out, that there, we could be here for a long time just uh, sharing all the people that you've given the book out to. But 
um, and your passion for prayer. And I just call you like now a missionary for prayer, which we need so desperately. But even last Saturday, um, tell the story because early morning you're getting coffee and you had a divine appointment. And then later, TJ and I, uh, TJ was taking some pictures uh, of one of your trucks that you're selling, one of your concrete trucks. And uh, we had lunch after that. So just share with the people about uh, those those divine appointments that happened and then uh, what you did with giving out the books. Well, that was an eventful day. Um, I used to go to the, after, I get up early in the morning, I do my devotions and then I go for a walk. And a lot of times I'll go to um, Einstein Bagel and have a, have a, a cup of coffee, sometimes a roll, but mostly just coffee. And that particular morning, um, it was a Saturday morning again, um, I was reading um, Betrayus Romanus. It was a, a, a complicated long book on some history of the Catholic Church. And um, uh, I was just sitting there reading and, and a guy came and he stood in front of me he said, oh, he said, what are you reading? And so I told him, uh, but I noticed he had a Bible in his hand. And he says, you know, I like to go to coffee shops and, and, and talk to people and, and find out what they're reading. Uh, and I don't know how it got to this point, but I, I said, uh, it just came to me. I said, you know, I've got a book and, and maybe you would like to read it. Uh, if, if you come out to my pickup with me. I'll, um, I'll give you one of these books. And he said, oh, sure, I'd love it. Um, and this guy is kind of a, a mainstay or a, a rock in, in, the, in the Denver area. And he, I guess I can tell you his name. His name is John Bandemir. Um, his family owns Bandemir Racetrack up in, um, in Golden, Colorado. So he, he, I didn't know this at first, I didn't know this until he gave me a card, but anyway, he took the book, and I don't know why I told him this, but I said, you know, uh, I'm an alcoholic, and um, this is just kind of an extension of my life, this book, and I've and I, I really got a lot out of it, and, I, and maybe you would too, and he said, you know, before I said a note, before I said another word, he said, this is a divine appointment. Mm. And I thought, well, what does he mean? He said, you know, we have an alcoholic in our family, and it's just tearing the family apart because the whole family's involved in the racing and the racetrack. And he says, it's just tearing our family apart. Uh, he says, I don't, he says, I think it's a grandson. He said, "I think he's a Christian, and we've conf and we've talked to him about his drinking, but it's it's not a good thing." And um, I said, "Well, I told him a little bit more about my alcoholism and 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 the confrontation that I had with Tim and 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 the the, the part of my life where I've seen my mother on her knees." And he said. Uh, I said, do you, do you have any siblings that, that might want this book? And he says, yeah, I do. He says, I, I have, um, he, 
was from a family of eight, and they all worked in the in the racing business. He said, "I said, well, you want eight books?" <laughs> and he, he said, "I definitely do." And then he took my number. I haven't talked to him. This is only a couple weeks ago. I haven't talked to him since, or I've got his card, um, but I've been praying for him, and and um, I'm just kind of wondering uh, what's going on in his family, but. I do know that prayer works. Uh, so that was just one. That was just one divine appointment that day. And, mm. and uh, then Tim, I want to tell you about uh, mm. the next divine appointment we had. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So we had my son TJ took some pictures and he was going to put posted on it on the computer for my dad to sell the equipment. And so we went out to lunch after that, and uh, we were, got the lunch. We were praying and asked TJ to pray, and he started praying. And uh, we opened our eyes, and uh, the, the waitress was sitting right there um, listening to the prayer the whole time. And then she just opened her heart. I think there was a, even a tear in her eye, and she opened her heart to us and told us about her granddaughter, uh, who learns Bible verses, and she is learning the Bible verses with her granddaughter. You could tell she probably didn't go to church, um, but she started talking to us and opened her heart, and uh, then she brought her daughter, who worked at the same restaurant, who uh, was the mother of her granddaughter, and uh, she shared a little bit, and it, it was incredible, because then at the end of that time, uh, my dad went to the truck, and he asked them if they wanted some books. He had told told them about Draw the Circle. And they both wanted the book. And then I think you gave four away there right. as well. And um, you could tell that God was working and God was moving uh, in their hearts. And again, it was a divine appointment. It talks about that in the book, Draw the Circle, that God will bring you these divine appointments. And I know, Dad, you've had that time and time again as you've been praying. Um, God's done some miraculous things but that was just one day in the life of of your prayer times and what god god has done um yeah so what encouragement dad would you give to people um about prayer um you said some things already but any insights even from the book that god has showed you or directed you um through through the book through praying um, I'm, I, I have to finish the Saturday story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife and I like to ballroom dance, and so uh, there was a couple that we met on Thursday night. There's always a dance we go to on Thursday night. Um, by the way, when I was young, we couldn't dance. <laughs> I, I mean, um, a lot of this stuff that, that we thought was wrong. I couldn't ride my bicycle on Sunday and stuff like that. But anyway, um, we we do, we do like to dance, and, and and you're a good dancer too, by the way. I can't do it, but my dad can, so figure that one out. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's a good social thing, and it's a good uh, exercise, and it's it, it, it's probably a big part of my life now. But we've met this couple. We know we've known this couple, and and the lady said to me, she said, talked about. Uh, her, we were just talking, and she said, "You know, 
um, I got a brother. Boy, asked her how things were going or something, and she said, "I got a brother that's got cancer bad, and in um, the southern part of the near uh, New Newfoundland or somewhere, I don't know, but anyway, she had just came back from there, and her brother doesn't come, won't come to the states because he's got insurance there, but." The last thing she said, she said, pray, would you pray for him? And, and I didn't, I, we had the car and I didn't have any books in my car that night, but we went to another dance on, on, on Saturday night, uh, the same night we passed out the, these other books. And I brought a book along, and behold, they were there. And I and I said, you know, this, here's a book on prayer. I, we've been. I remember your your brother in prayer, but I think if you read this book, it will give you some insights and in, and in, in how prayer can work and how prayer does work. So that was the last book we gave away that day. But um, there, that's that's just a story about what opportunities my family. Uh, we went through with with I'm from a big family, seven kids, and we went through this this 40 days of prayer um, with my family. I'm on my third time through this book <laughs> because um, it's I don't see I, I don't think I know how to pray very well even even though it's the big, a big part of my life I, I ask I'm keep asking God to teach me how to pray. Uh, but um, this has been a tool. It, it, it's not in place of the Bible, but it's a tool that I believe can help millions of people learn how to pray and, and take their, their prayers to God in another, another way. Um, oh, that's, mm. I, and I forgot what other question. No, that's good. No, because you have great, great stories. And I was thinking, Today, Dad, I was uh, I'm reading through. I'm on day 14 with a group of high schoolers um, that are going to Africa in a week or so. And uh, as I read this and prayed through it, I just I want to read this again uh, for the podcast. And it says, "When we hit our knees, we pick a fight with the enemy. We're immediately transported to the front lines of the kingdom." where we wage war with principalities and powers, that is where the spiritual battle is won or lost, on our knees. And when we hit our knees, God fights our battles for us. And uh, thinking about Grandma Spikestra and thinking about uh, way back, she was battling on her knees, doing warfare with the principalities and the demons of darkness and the effectiveness of prayer and how God uses that, and then He fights our battles for us. Um, he uh, somehow intervenes and works through our prayers as we surrender. And we talked; we were talking actually on Saturday about brokenness, and uh, you know you've been able to share your story with alcoholism, and that was a, a, a tool that God used to bring you actually closer to Him through brokenness. Um, and that prayer and intimacy and being in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, with the Father through Jesus Christ, um, it happens when we're broken. It happens when God shows us that um, He's the one we need. 
And just, again, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, but now I know that God's doing a lot of uh, great th- things as, as you're praying and as you're seeking His face, but it's a battle. And can you talk about that? As, as you become a missionary for prayer and you've done battle on your knees now for other people and for family members, um, talk about the battle sometimes we face as we pray. Um, I think I, I had a little of that this morning. I, I, I know that God brings depression or something in your life, that, uh, not God, uh, the enemy mm-hmm. brings the depression. Uh, I, I've realized more and more that the enemy has access to my ear and to my mind. And uh, sometimes that that. Whatever it is, I don't know how it works, but I realize that we're in a, we're in a, you know, the old uh, story about we are Christian soldiers, and that's the truth, I feel, because we're fighting a war. Uh, you know, my mother never preached much to us, but she lived by her example, and, and her example was so strong that it affected every one of us kids. Um, so I, I believe that if we're going to be serious about this stuff, we will have we will have problems. Um, nothing that God won't get us through, I don't think. But um, the depression and the other things, he'll he'll the enemy will will just battle us. I think, and that's uh, it's. I guess we have to expect this. I, I had a little of it this morning, um, depression, and maybe because I was scared about doing <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm on day uh, 32, I think it is, uh, 34, and here's something I read this morning. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And one of my one of my biggest things I think in, in reading, well, we started with uh, oceans wants a prayer center in the mountains, and that that's one reason we we got involved with this book. There hasn't been an answer so far, at least it hasn't been yes to that prayer center, but there's many prayers that have been answered, I believe, and one of mine is that our country is a mess, a big mess, and I, and I, when I was drinking, I seen a lot of that, but it's not only a personal mess for, for all, all the citizens, but it's a financial mess, it's a political mess. And at, after the last election, I re- realized that there is no political answer to mm. the problems in America. The only, the only thing we can do now, we're so close to the end, I believe, that God is calling us to prayer. Mm. And, and Tim said, said many times, he said, oh, a year or so ago, he said, uh, the only thing I see that is, is a solution is prayer. And he says, before the revival comes, we have to pray. And I truly believe that the revival is starting, um, hopefully in America, but we know that it's starting in other countries, in Africa and in, in um, uh, China. And 
There, there's. I, I read the other day how many there people turn to Christ in China every day, mm -hmm. and it's a phenomenal number. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't. A lot of you people probably know about the the, the prayer session in California in Azusa, mm -hmm. um, where it's over seven thousand people. Seventy, like seventy thousand. Seventy thousand people were there most of the day. Their agenda was to pray. Mm -hmm. um, Billy Billy Graham's son, um, Franklin Graham, is going around visiting every state capital and and encouraging the people to pray. Mm -hmm. um, also to vote, but I think the, the primary, a lot of us Christians don't, are silent when we need, when we need to speak out and we need to pray. Mm -hmm. So that's, and, and one, one thing, they're going to have another uh, prayer session in Washington, D.C. sometime this summer. Yeah, they're calling. They're hoping like a million people uh, will be involved in that, too. So and that came out of that thing in uh, the L.A. Coliseum. So, yeah, what a, I think that's a great way, Dad, to end our time is that Second Chronicles 714 passage. Um, that That's God's remedy. The only way that will be healed is... We come back to him, seek his face, confess our sins, know that we're sinful and broken, and turn to him. And uh, that's what I think this book has done. That's what God's doing. I know in your life, you're praying like crazy, you're promoting prayer. And I, I just thank you for being on here and sharing with us uh, at Ocean's Ministry and uh, just your support in prayer. And a ton of seeds have been planted and God's going to water, the Holy Spirit's going to water those seeds. And so keep uh, giving the books away and uh, being a missionary for prayer. So thanks for being on, and uh, God bless you, and I'm proud to have you as my dad and what God's doing in your life. I, I, we, could, we could go on and talk. Now that I'm a little more comfortable, <laughs> we, could, we could talk about this for hours. We could. <laughs> so maybe we'll have to have another session uh, follow-ups on some, some of the divine appointments with uh, the waitresses and the guy, the Bandemir Speedway, which is huge, and the lady you danced with. So we're gonna, we'll have you back on in, in a few months and just recap what God's doing through these books. So thanks again, Dad, for being on, and thanks for listening to Ocean's Ministry Podcast, and uh, have a great day, and keep praying. God bless. It was great to have my dad, Ray Spikestra, with us today for the podcast and hear his stories about prayer. And if you have any stories about prayer, uh, we would love to hear them or what God's doing in your life. Uh, please give us your feedback. Uh, you can go to uh, www.oceansministries.org and um, we'd love to hear your comments. So thanks again for listening and uh, have a wonderful day.